You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America, Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to the Conservative Conscience here on the Westwood One Podcast Network in the thick of things on Thursday afternoon, June 21st. And I really wanted to do another show yesterday, but everything was so fluid. Everything's going on. I think this is Murphy's Law, taking all the issues I focused on for years and just shoving them in in one, uh, one week, immigration, the courts, everything coming to a head, all the philosophy that that so many of you have heard from me and we've worked out together the last couple of years, all really coming to a head. And there's a lot of peril, but there is a lot of opportunity. And then at the same time, of course, we have the grand finale of the final two weeks of the Supreme Court, now the final days, and we had blockbuster cases. And I'm going to try to get to that as well today. Terrible, terrible ruling um, today with the internet sales tax and an even worse political outcome that's going to result. I disagree with the legality of it. I know maybe some of you might disagree with me, but hopefully you'll hear me out if we do have time to get to it after immigration. But anyway, it's um, it's early afternoon. It's it, the the House just voted on the Goodlatte bill. You know, this is the bill that had the limited amnesty for those that already had it, and it had most other provisions were very good. Not all of them, but most of them were very good on enforcement and improvements to legal immigration. It went down, obviously, as expected. Surprisingly, it did get 193 Republican votes, only 41 no votes. Now, so there's a lot of free riding there, and then there are a couple of people. I don't have it in front of me, but I know Steve King told me he was going to vote against it. I believe Louis Gomer, maybe a couple of other guys you know, from the right, just because they're like, you know, look, if this is not going anywhere – um, and they're not going to take it up anyway. Why should I go on record as supporting any amnesty? Because, you know, frankly, we should have the option of voting on a bill, a standalone bill, just without any amnesty. You know, shouldn't we have merit-based legal immigration and, and uh, you know, all the enforcement needs without signing on to amnesty? I agree with that. But anyway, I haven't covered this much here at the Conservative Conscience or in my column, my daily columns, just because – this is not where the fight's at. It's not a live ball. You know, they're, they're, they've pulled the um, compromise bill, so-called compromise bill, which is the more liberal bill, and they're going to vote on it later. Maybe, maybe yes, maybe not. We'll talk about this if we meet again tomorrow. But either way, both bills aren't passing. The whole separating families thing, that's the live ball. That has taken on a life of uh, you know, in itself, and that's where this is all headed, and that's why I wanted to get a full picture before I come to you, because I know a lot of you have questions of what's Trump doing, what's Congress doing, you know, is this good, is this bad, are we headed in the right direction, um, is this what I was advocating for, is this not, and it's still very, very fluid, um, very, very, very fluid, and, um, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm telling you, I'm so distracted here. My brain's on overload because I was reading Supreme Court decisions today, and I just wrote a big 1,700-word piece on the internet sales tax case I'll have out soon, as well as my big article on 
my my idea for the most immediate fix to the border problem that I want to discuss today. And then in order to write that whole internet sales tax things, I had to look at so much case law and writings and letters from Madison, and my brain is just killing me today. And then guess what? Tomorrow, the Supreme Court's coming out with more <laughs> more cases. They're having a special meeting, so you know Murphy's Law will dictate that they'll come out with a travel ban ruling tomorrow. Um, but it's funny. Before I get into this, I'm just looking at a leaked memo. The ACLU will consider, quote, effect on marginalized communities when deciding to take free speech cases. Folks, this this is everything, and it's a good segue into what we're talking about. Um, notice how the ACLU, everyone used to say, well, they're consistent, but they're sometimes kooky. No, they're not consistent. They're the biggest hypocrites. They allow, they, they will advocate for Nazis to raucously march through Jewish neighborhoods as free speech. And I'm not saying I necessarily disagree, but then somehow you don't have the right with your own property to say what you want and put up signs like, hey, I'm not going to service a gay wedding. Um, because it's all about who you are. They are for the sexual identity people, irrespective of which way the First Amendment cuts. They are for illegal aliens, irrespective of which way the First Amendment cuts. So that's the only consistency, and now they admit it. It's all about the nature of the plaintiff, not the nature of the jurisprudence. I mean, so, you know, that should discredit their entire organization, that alone. I mean, even if you're you're a liberal-minded legal person. I mean, you know, the law is the law, but whatever. Anyway, I, I, I mean, the law is not the law. But so what? What? what's going on here? What is going on? Um, a lot of you are asking questions and saying, hey, you know, isn't Trump backing down? Isn't he caving? Now, you know, I'm probably even more so than Mark Levin – the least reluctant to say the administration is betraying a campaign promise or Trump's getting bad advice. I do that almost every day. And, you know, every time I praise the administration, often within a day, you know, I regret it. But for now, I don't see, I don't see any reason for the most part to be upset. And I think for the most part, they are headed in the direction I am calling for. And, you know, so I'm going to take yes for an answer. Now, look, if they if they change that, um, then obviously that could have, you know, bearings on this. But right now, they're headed in a good direction. And the biggest thing you need to understand here, and we, we started this discussion last time, last episode, and the deal is – when it there's never quite been a fight like this that I've seen politically. It's very I don't even know how to describe it. It's very unique in that the left has mustered up nuclear levels of outrage against a policy that's not even conservative, and in fact, it was the result of a liberal judge, which proves our point not just on immigration but on the judiciary, and it gives us the opportunity to take their nuclear political momentum they created and jujitsu it against them, their broader agenda, and to what we want to do. And that is this. There's three permutations. 
There's releasing both parents and kids into the country so they could disappear, and many of them are really bad hombres. Not all, but many of them are. And again, like I said the other time, even the good ones, you're doing them no favors because they're mainly in the communities where the bad hombres are. So they flee violence in Honduras, and they come to Honduras in American cities, such as Long Island, such as Montgomery County, Maryland, even Frederick, Maryland. Then there's separated, letting go the kids and detaining the parents. And then there's detaining both. Our goal is to detain both, not to detain them really, but to ultimately deport them. So we have no catch and release. That's what we want. As I noted yesterday in my article, we don't have an immigration law problem. We have a liberal judge problem. Nothing in the law states that we have to let these people go, that we have to let children go, okay? Nothing states that. And in fact, the law says the opposite. Um, You know, 8 U.S.C. 1225 B2A states that um, in the case of an alien who is an applicant for admission, if the examining immigration officer determines that an alien seeking admission is not clearly and beyond a doubt entitled to be admitted, the alien shall be detained for a removal proceeding. Notice how that's written. It's not like, look, if you think, strongly believe he's not eligible, you could detain him. No, no, no. Not clearly and beyond a doubt entitled to be admitted. Like I always told you, the statutes are written, especially if they're written in the 50s or 1996, Ira um, Ira. They were written with American sovereignty first. Americans come first. That there's no claim or right that American American security against certainly um, crime and terrorism, but even public charge comes first. And even asylum, you know, that certainly we want certain number of legitimate asylees to have the opportunity to apply, but it's an opportunity to apply, not a mandate to come in. And certainly not a mandate to be released pending your um, adjudication when we know roughly 80% of them are rejected and, and really more than 90% from Central America. So they actually shall be detained, okay? Then um, the next statute, 1226A, says it gives full discretionary authority to immigration officials to detain all those presumed to be here illegally, quote, pending a decision on whether the alien is to be removed. And then obviously, uh, Section C of 1226 downright mandates the the detention of criminal alien classes. And, you know, judges have now been just letting them them go. Um, so, so, So that's it. There you have it, folks. The law doesn't have any carve out for children. It was this stupid Flores Consent Agreement, which was just an agreement of one administration that was enforced by the court to say uh, you can't detain a kid alone for more than a certain amount of time. It was Judge Dolly G, as we noted last time in 2015, you know, um, ruled in June and then enforced it on August 22nd, said that, nope, even with parents, you can't detain them even with parents. You have to let them go. Hence, that is where this whole, um, you know, this whole separating families came from. No one's trying to separate families, but it was the judges that did that. So, you know, we want to detain them both, but the judges separate them. 
Now, let me just first start with the fact that a couple things uh, that are just important to know. Dolly G at the time, it was Obama's DOJ that warned this is going to lead to a border surge. And she smugly scoffed at them and said, it's fear-mongering and unfounded. Well, gee, (laughs) gee, Dolly G, what do we see now? I believe she should be the first candidate for impeachment, and I'm going to be pushing with that with a member of Congress today after I get off get off the air with you guys. Um, so that's that's what that. Now I just want to also back up a little bit here too, just to clarify. A lot of people are asking. Well, on the one hand, we're saying you know other administrations did it. On the other hand, we're saying it was Dolly G who caused it. Well, what do you mean? Here's here's the truth. The Ninth Circuit said this blatantly when they upheld Dolly G. Separations in some capacity have been taking place since the 90s. You know, some it was mainly because often they just didn't have the room. So they would release some kids and families would get separated. Or sometimes it was, you know, keep in mind, there, there's this witch hunt against separations. You know, yeah, generally speaking, you don't want to do it. But again, a lot of them are kidnappers. They're they're smugglers. They're not the real parents. Or sometimes they're they're really bad and and when we send them into criminal prosecution you know theoretically you could send the kids together with them in with the marshal's custody that's a lot more restrictive and more like a jail but you know they 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 actually are being sympathetic to the kids and saying i don't want to put them in jail i mean again it's no different than what we do with american citizen criminals where you don't take the kid to you know we have two choices you could separate the kids or you could put the kids in jail i mean we choose not to put the kids in jail and i think no one would disagree with that so that's been going on for a while okay but what what is happening now is it is downright mandated. It was discretionary because, you know, we wanted to protect kids in bad situations. We didn't always want to lock them up when we're prosecuting the parents. And, you know, sometimes there wasn't enough room. And Clinton was doing it. Obama was doing it. Um, Bush was doing it. It wasn't until this ruling, now it's mandated. You have to release kids. So now, by definition, they're going to be separated unless you release the parents too, which is national suicide. So, this is where this whole debate comes in. The left made a huge mistake. The left put all their energy not into litigating their case of amnesty and open borders because they can't. What are they supposed to do? No, uh, we actually want everyone who comes to be released and yeah. No, they can't say that. So, they they just disingenuously isolated in a vacuum separating parents separating parents can't can't do that immoral nazi this and but they don't say well what do you want to do and that's the opportunity for us we're like hey you're right we don't want to do that liberal liberal judge said to do that therefore we're going to detain them together and that's what trump announced yesterday a lot of people are saying oh he caved but usually when you cave to media demand you're caving because they're litigating against the conservative policy and you're you're giving up they're actually complaining about a liberal policy so trump's like yeah you're right screw it now i'm going to start detaining them together so you know if trump said yeah you're right i don't want to separate them therefore i'm going to let the parents out with the kids that would catch and release that would be a problem okay that that would be a problem but he's not doing that um, and you know, again, what what the left did to really screw themselves over is it, it, part of what people don't realize. 
this was only four years ago. It's funny how there's so much political amnesia and the media just lies. But, you know, I, I fought this battle at the time. It was, it was four years ago. It wasn't that long ago. And I remember Jay Johnson, the DHS secretary, and Obama, they were emphatic. Zero tolerance. We're going to – you cannot come here. You're going to get detained. Um, they – they were now they were lying like a lot of things they did, but rhetorically that's what they were saying. Why? I'll tell you why. The same reason they were so emphatic about it is the same reason the left should be very scared if Trump and Republicans play their cards right. And that is, see, the whole part, the whole um draw of the Democrat immigration agenda. Like with everything, we spoke about this before, is they latch on to the fringe. They latch on to the most sympathetic exception rather than the rule. So with abortion, it's going to all be about the mother's life in danger and rape. With criminal justice deform, it's going to be about the 10 people you could find who are over-sentenced rather than the 100,000 people who are under-sentenced or never-sentenced. And with um, immigration, they're going to make it all about these are people who are here for 15, 20 years. No, no other country of their own. They're more American than you. They're all serving in the military. You know, everyone in the military is illegal. You know? um, they're all valedictorians. They're all coming up to cures of cancers. They're all starting businesses that you could never start. That's how they, they promote their agenda. So think about it. Obama was trying to promote... It, the, the summer of 2014 is when this went down. That was in between DACA and DAPA. He was trying to – he had DACA, and he was trying to expand expand on it even more. In comes the border surge, and that was a nightmare because the border sur- surge proves our argument that even if you have some sympathy for them, how could you promote any form of amnesty before first – implementing all the enforcement for Americans so this doesn't grow legs and we don't perpetually have this, and then you're going to give amnesty to everyone, those here now, later, and in the future. And that's why it was so devastating because it proved that DACA bring, is bringing in a new wave. So that's why he had to go nuts and like try to shut it down. And that's what the Democrats have stepped into. You might think it looks like they're winning. They're not. And you're seeing the tide turning because now Trump's like, all right, buddy, we'll detain them together. Now they have to say, well, no, well, actually, we didn't mean separating families. We meant uh, you have to let them all go. Oh, so you mean to tell me this is not about giving amnesty to those here since they were three years old. This is about giving amnesty to the ones coming now as a result of the draw of that amnesty and the ones coming tomorrow and the ones coming until the end of time. They cannot say that. They cannot win on that, and they know it. And that's why this is a perfect trap because they either now have to downright advocate for separating families or they have to admit they want to unite them all in our country and have – Perennial open borders. That is what is so devastating. Now, you might have heard today. It's a, you know, it's a Trump suspending um, prosecutions. So, well, isn't he caving? Now, my understanding, and, and again, this is very fluid. I, I I'm reluctant to comment on it, but from what I heard, again, just just philosophically, I don't care about the prosecution. My goal is not to punish anyone. Like I said, this is locomotion. It's like when I have my own private property, I'm not trying to punish a gay person by not service. I just want to 
have my conscience and my property and leave me alone. I don't want anything from you. Don't ask anything of me. I don't want to prosecute anyone. Obviously, if someone comes here and commits an egregious crime like Kate Steinle's murderer, we owe it to the American victim to seek justice. But I don't want to lock any of them. I want them out of here. We want them, we, we want them out of here. More importantly, we want them deterred so they don't come in the first place and they only come and apply legally. That's, that, that should be everyone's goal, and I'm going to talk about that more in a minute. So I'm not – so to me, the main point is not, oh, like in other words, I would rather a policy of, of not prosecuting anyone but keeping them all detained so you have the safety net for Americans. They're not let go. That, that's the killer. They're, they're kept detained, and they're both shipped out of here rather than letting go the kid, which again, they're not just the three-year-olds in diapers. They're – Hardened MS-13ers, I mean, and that this is proven by the facts of 36% of those who came in, uh, those who were apprehended from MS-13 in Operation Matador were UACs. So um, I don't want them – I don't need that. So they feel that for the time being temporarily, they have to suspend it because, again, it's – A, they need more staff to come down so they could facilitate um, unified uh, detention – and also keep in mind, it's it's a lot harder to wind up detaining. Meaning, they're not letting the parents go; they're keeping them under ICE's just regular um, detention facilities, rather than turning them over to the DOJ U.S. Marshals for prosecution. That's more like a prison, a jail. So it's a lot harder to kind of put the kids in there. I mean, and, and again, this is what they don't understand about the separation, but. And I'm fine with that morally. I mean, if we need to prosecute them, like, what do you want us to do? Put the kids in 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 jail? Now, look, I'll say if if they're going to create such a firestorm, then fine, let's do it. You see what I'm saying? The worst thing you could do is let them both go, and that's one thing we have to ensure we don't do. And and, and he's doing that. So this executive order he has yesterday directs the attorney general to go to Dolly G. I mean, it doesn't say her specifically. It's the Central District of California. Um, there's multiple judges. I, I, I don't know if I, I, I'm, you know, maybe some of you could help me out here. I'm not familiar if, in a case like this, they would automatically give it to the judge who dealt with it. I'm assuming that's true, or this is part of the random lottery selection. But either way, and said, look, you got to vitiate this. You know, we are going to detain them together, and I'm asking you to get rid of the, that that expansion of Flores. So far. So good with an asterisk. Now, look, I would have rather Trump just said nothing. Not go and beg Do- Dolly G, can you please help me? No, just do your policy and wait until the ACLU sues you. Let that meaning I I don't like this just notion of begging to a court. But but again, like baby steps, baby steps. At least we're we're pushing back a little bit. And and the outcome, the result is the same thing. Now, the big question is gonna be inevitably when the Central District of California says, screw you, which they're going to say. The question is, then what does Trump do? Then if Trump goes back and says, look, now here, here's what should happen. Then it's clear in front of the American people the truth. Look, it's uh, the stupid liberal judge is doing it. This is why we need a Flores fix from Congress, which is the Grassley bill. Hey, Democrats, do you want to end separating of families? This is the way to do it. And then also, I think that is probably my best opportunity in my entire career to help drive a national discussion over the tyranny of lower courts and the ability of a randomly, insidiously 
forum shopped judge when many other district judges would have said the opposite for them to shut down our, our sovereignty. You know, Judge Hannon from the Southern District of Texas has indicated he doesn't believe Flores applies. So that's the question. Is he going to have the balls to then say, no, now we're going back to detention until Congress fixes this? Or is he then going to just release them both and do catch and release? Look, I, you know, the indication is so far he's tough, but that, that's what we're going to have to see. Now, I would actually, what I would like to see for Trump to limit the pain but maximize the benefit, what I would like to see, and I wrote about this yesterday, would be for Trump to respond to that presumptive court ruling by saying, all right, but your ruling, meaning ideally he would totally ignore it, but I think a middle ground, which would be a, a very good incipient step towards pushing back against the courts is to finally use this as an opportunity, which he's going to have to do anyway on 50 million other issues if he wants his presidency to survive, to force a national discussion over the notion that a district judge could apply a nationwide injunction on a broad-based policy, particularly a national security sovereignty border-related policy dealing with foreign nationals. That is... That is what he needs to do. How does he do this? Like I said last time, 72%, according to my calculation of, of family units coming in, are not in California. They're in Texas. Texas is under the auspices of the Fifth Circuit. And I, I would I, if I were Trump, I'd say, all right. See, the, the benefit of this is that you don't have to then go back to full separation and then you know have the you know, you know the the yelping about that, the virtue signaling about that. You could actually have unified detention and of 72%. You know, I, I would still do separation of other ones, and you certainly don't want to let them go. Um, but in Texas, and then make the ACLU sue you in Texas. Why should we be driven to wherever the ACLU takes us? I mean, and again, I'm going to get to this in more detail, but we don't have a law problem with immigration. We have an ACLU. The ACLU is basically the law now. Because of where they determined to take a randomly shopped lawsuit when so many other judges wouldn't rule that way, we're screwed. No. Trump, the way for Trump to do it is to do this in Texas. Make them sue you in Texas. And that alone, I think, will spawn a national discussion. It'll be very indefensible for them to say this should apply nationwide. And B, I think we'd get a good ruling in the Fifth Circuit. So that is um that's what that. So I just want to say I think this is a good strategy, and I think you're already seeing the Democrats on defense now where they look disingenuous like, no, well, uh, that's not good enough, and we're going to sue you. Oh, so you're suing me now. See, now the ACLU will have to sue to separate families. You see what I mean? We have our cake and eat it too. We don't even want that policy anyway. We want unified detention for unified deportation. So – Back to the good lat stuff and the bills, I don't care about the bills. The question is what happens next. This is live ammo, and I think what we need to do is push Congress. I don't like Cruz's bill. I don't like this have an expedited process, more immigration judges. There's too many things for the Democrats to say it's unfeasible, unworkable, because in some ways they're right. Once you have this chaos, you can't manage it. 700,000 backlog, you're never going to get through that. We need to do more fundamental. And 
I first want to go through the lesser one, the more immediate thing, I think, to trap the Democrats politically, politically and get out of this morass, and then the longer-term thing to do. Immediately, I, I like the Grassley thing, which is simply vitiate Flores, which they could do. So that will get around all this. The Democrat, don't put anything else in it. Just vitiate Flores. Done. I like Meadows' approaches to sever out the, all the enforcement parts of Good Latin, put that in there, which includes a fi- not only a fix that, but a fix more upstream, uh, better defining credible fear of asylum, um, treating kids from Central America like those from Mexico. So even the not just family units, but the UACs could get deported um, expeditiously. That's good, but you know, again, it gives them more things, more outs. This just straight up. You're worried about separation. Here it is. This ends it. And the floor is. Um, settlement, and that would force them to either be on record as being for separation, or they would downright have to say, "We want both the parents and the kids of everyone now and everyone until the end of times to come here as much as they want, be released, disseminate drugs and gangs in our communities, kill our schools with thirty thousand dollars per pupil cost, the fights, the cultural problems, the language." I mean, it, it's unreal, unreal. So I think that is the baseline. What needs to be done. Now let's talk about the more fundamental approach. And, and by the way, just before I continue, um, I apologize ahead of time. I don't know if you could hear it in the background, but yes, this is that time of year when when the kids are in between school and camp and their other activities. So <clears throat> they're all home fighting together and, um, you know, so whatever. That's That's what I got to deal with, fighting in the background and fighting at my computer and Fighting with everyone, I'm all I'm all worn out. So anyway, you know, I have my article out today. I want to discuss. Um, it's the first article out today. We'll link to in in show notes. Let's stop managing this invasion and start blocking it. That it's time to end all processing of asylum and similar type of statuses at our border. It's time to end cross border migration. It's time to end illegal immigration. It's a very simple message. Sometimes the bolder, more conservative thing to do, more moral thing to do, the right thing to do, is easier to message than the you know compromise, more muddled thing. Sometimes not, but but in this case, I believe it is to be. Um, the way to end illegal immigration is by ending illegal immigration. What do I mean by that? A lot of people don't realize, you know, most Americans that don't follow immigration law, you know, they view the border as lawless and you know like who who crosses a border to get into a country i mean you don't, you don't do that and by definition you're you're an illegal immigrant part of the problem we've had over the years is that we send mixed mixed messages you know we um we have all these statuses that you could come and apply for and there's asylum there's the cubans there's the haitians um the, the Cubans have have their own separate status. Uh, there's all sorts of different um, parole, different things that that you could apply for. And again, you know, you might say, "Well, Daniel, didn't you just say there was nothing wrong with our laws?" I mean, you have to understand as a baseline. You know, even Mister Tough, Mister Anti-Immigrant Daniel Horowitz, as they'd call me, you know. We always want some avenue for the right people to have refugee asylum or whatever. Um, you know, so it was written with the right intent. But what has happened, 
over the last few administrations is that they've bastardized the laws to take exceptions and make them the rules in a lot of cases. And then in recent years, last couple of years, the courts have taken that bastardization and they've downright codified it as a mandate. You must now do it. And that's how we have this problem where it's almost like anyone could just come, assert anything, get processed, often get released, and we're screwed. Rather than, all right, you, know, you could have the opportunity, but you know, we could reject you and expeditiously send you over the send you back. Um, you know, that that was the thing. And what what this has done is it, it's it's created an entire market where people come. I mean the bottom line is that you know there are billions of people in this world, certainly more than a billion, that live in countries where you know GDP per capita is easily less than eight thousand, if not significantly, significantly less. And if given the opportunity to come to America, they will come. I mean, if tomorrow we like officially said, we're kind of de facto like that, if officially said to the world, anyone who wants could come. How many, I mean, you understand, we would probably have more than a billion people. There was actually once a Gallup poll that kind of tried to extrapolate this, and they said it was hundreds of millions, but you know, over time, it would clearly be in the billions. And we, we just can't have that. I mean, it's, it's obvious, and we always understood that. And... This has created an entire chain reaction of migration and murder and mayhem and misery, first and foremost for Americans, but also for migrants and for everyone. There's two factors that people need to understand. So all things equal, yeah, you know, you leave something open. But there's two factors that I believe have made it that it's time for the president to get up there and say – we are ending all cross-border migration. And, and I'll get to that in a minute. You know, Ultimately, for something like this, we are going to need Congress. We're certainly going to need appropriations. But I think it could start with the president executively with 212F because he could shut off any immigration. We are not taking asylum. We're not taking TPS. We're not taking any of this stuff anymore. We're not doing it. The president could shut off regular legal immigration, You know, not through the border if he wants to. For any reason, for any time, at will, it's it's not justicable. Now, you might laugh. It's in the courts now. Well, yeah, everything's justicable. And by the way, we're going to see what the court says about 212F in the travel ban. That, that's one thing I'm going to be watching if it comes out tomorrow or Monday or maybe Tuesday might be the last day of the, of the Supreme Court session. Um, that is what we need to do. We need to say, if you are feel you're an asylee, Come to the Mexico City Embassy, and I think eventually what we'll need to do is use our leverage with NAFTA and foreign aid with Mexico and say, you better cooperate with us, and we build a facility in Mexico or maybe elsewhere where they could come in a safe, stable environment where it's safe for them and it's certainly safe for Americans. It's got to be taken off our soil. It's got to be taken off our soil. Okay, And there's two reasons for that. There's two reasons why what made sense in a small, limited capacity when written properly, which the statutes were kind of written properly for the most part, um, to offer some avenue for people to come to our border, at least to the points of entry, I think needs to be shut down even at the points of entry.
And those two th- reasons are the drug cartels and the courts. These are not temporary issues. These are enduring issues that will make it that we will never stop illegal immigration and the magnets, and we will never protect Americans, and we will never have proper asylum, and we will never solve the drug and gang and cartel problem until we do this. So let's first talk about the cartel aspect of this. Um just one minute here. I actually have to accept edits from my copy editor for the internet sales tax piece. It's going to come out. Um, basically, everyone focuses on migrants and America, and people want to come here. What they forget is that there's something in between. There are drug cartels. And these drug cartels control territory, whether it's Golfo, Zeta, Sinaloa. They control territory in their various places, and you cannot cross the border without them. Let me just read to you, let me dig this up here, a a series of tweets, and some of you might have seen this on my Twitter account, uh, but for those who haven't, I'm going to read it to you. I just summarized quotes from Texas Department of Public Safety. Here's what they say. All eight of the major Mexican cartels operate in Texas, and they have enlisted transnational and statewide gangs to support their drug and human smuggling and human trafficking operations on both sides of the border. Mexican cartels constitute the greatest organized crime threat to Texas. These powerful and ruthless criminal organizations use military and terrorist tactics to battle each other in the government of Mexico for control over lucrative U.S. drug and human smuggling markets. They dominate the wholesale trafficking of illegal drugs along the Texas-Mexico border, producing or smuggling most of the illegal drugs to the U.S. The cartels also engage in other criminal activities beyond drug smuggling, smuggling, including profiting from human smuggling, weapons and ammunition smuggling, extortion, kidnapping for ransom and robbery. Mexican Mexican cartels directly supply illicit drugs to cities throughout the U.S. and rely on U.S.-based gangs to further distribute drugs. Next, we judge that nearly all illegal aliens who illegally enter the United States make use of alien smuggling organizations. We assess that the cartels have profited from the increase in illegal crossings in 2014 and 2015. The Tier 1 gangs in Texas for 2016 are Tango Blast, Tango Clicks, Latin Kings, Texas Mexican Mafia, and Mara Salvatura, which is MS-13. These groups pose the greatest gang threat to Texas due to their relationship with the Mexican cartels, high levels of transnational criminal activity, high levels of violence, and overall statewide presence. MS-13, whose members are known for highly violent crimes such as brutal murders and dismemberments, emerged as the top-tier gang threat in Texas when? In 2015. By the way, that's when you had the UACs. Finally, the increase of illegal alien gang members crossing the border into Texas among unaccompanied minors the previous year, so this is 16, but referring to 2015, positioned the gang as one of the state's most significant gang threats. Let me tell you, folks, I I tried to summarize one report of many, and... um, Just the salient quotes. 
to give you in a nutshell what's going on, this is the narrative and the angle that you're not going to hear anywhere else. This is the angle that's missing from our body politic. Trump is touching on it to his credit more than anyone else, but we need an entire movement and party saying this. And, and, I, and I know we have some liberals listening, and, and I particularly want you to pay attention. Let's put aside our philosophical disagreements of what type and how much immigration, legal immigration, we want to have to this country. If you really are a compassionate person and care about Americans and legitimate asylees, this is what you need to understand. What, what is evidence from this report, and which is obvious to anyone who studies the issue, is a number of premises. Number one, nobody crosses the border without a cartel. They control and orchestrate the entirety of the migration, and they use them as almost military tactics in their smuggling of, of gangs and drugs. That's number one. Number two, everyone has to pay them, and they – even the good people, and they are all enriched by this incentive to come here even as a good asylee and pay them to get through. And that enables them to grow their drugs. Then, through the military tactics they have, by see, we're all talking about the 50, 55,000 a month, primarily family units and UACs from Central America coming in Right now, that's the debate. And obviously, the media is focusing on the three-year-olds of them. Now, there's a lot of problems among them. But what nobody is talking about is the other 50% that you don't see that are never interdicted, but nonetheless are only enabled to get through because we accept those 50,000. The drug cartels control the 50,000, let's say good people, and they're not all good. It's really a much smaller percentage, but let's just see that point for a minute. They control the 50,000 good people and the 50,000 bad people. That include MS-13, drug smugglers, including the drugs itself, and the SIAs, the special interest aliens from the Middle East. They control all of this, every, every bit of it. So what they do is they take our very limited resources of border agents. We have a very small number of field agents that are actually patrolling, and they shove this in, and through the gaps is when they get in their bad people. So you know it's incontrovertible. I don't have to predict what might happen. What happened the last time we had this degree of a surge should raise the hair on your backs and give you goosebumps as to what's happening right now as we speak. And this is what we're going to bring on border agents hopefully next week to discuss this. That you have drugs and gangs and the worst human beings in the world pouring over that border in the gaps that are filled, making our guys deal with this. And you can imagine now the border patrol is overrun with the PR nightmare. They have to worry about their image. They have to, I mean, they, they literally, imagine this is exactly like Hamas. What these people are to the cartels is what these so-called kids and women were to Hamas. Hamas orchestrates the whole border incursion from Gaza into Israel. And when you incentivize that, oh, you're going to let the kids go and I'm not going to worry about harming any kid, then you're done. Then Hamas gets through, harms Israelis, and ultimately more of their kids are killed too. And it's got to be shut down and deterred. And luckily, Israel had that fortitude. We don't have that fortitude in this country, but we need to get it. It's all controlled by the drugs. And the other thing is, what what they said is that 
MS-13, as I've been saying, have become the distribution network for those drugs. There's your drug crisis. There's your gang crisis. There's your social problem in our schools. Where the hell else do you think they're coming from? When they say in 2014 and 2015, the gangs were enriched. The cartels were enriched. We saw an uptick in MS-13. MS-13 has become the biggest threat, according to the Texas Department of Public Safety, Because of the UACs. That is your compassion that you could shove up your ass. And I know we talked about that before. But this is the problem. There's no way to disentangle the good from the bad. A, because it's hard to begin with. B, because the good empower the cartels. And C, because they serve as the diversion for them. And then finally, look at the tragedy of what you're creating here. You're killing Americans with the crushing burden of at best, impoverished, bogus asylum people, and at worst, you know, gang, gang members and drug runners, killing us with. Look, the, the the according to Fair, the cost of illegal immigration is 141 billion a year, but that does not include the drugs, which is hundreds of billions. I mean, the left is putting out all these studies and saying the opioid crisis, what it causes, the the mayhem, the death, the tens of thousands killed by drugs. Look at what we're suffering from this stupid idea of processing it on our soil. Of letting people into our soil. The cost should be obvious to Americans, but it's not. All and, and just another piece of information here. I have the data. If you break it down, less than 10% from Mexico and the Northern Triangle of Central America are granted asylum. And by the way, those, you know, five, six percent or so. A lot of it is, as you understand, the majority of the immigration judges are liberal. It's it's the immigration lawyers who then flip for the other side and, and they go into that. I mean, I hate to say I, I actually have a relative that is kind of liberal and he is an immigration lawyer for ICE. <laughs> I just found out he got a job for for um <laughs> to be an immigration judge, and it's funny because you know obviously they're liberals and they hate Trump, and you know but meanwhile he's getting a job because now there's you know more of a need for it because of Trump. But anyway, um you know I would venture to say almost none of them are legitimate because they're not. It's a homogenous place. They're not ethnically or religiously persecuted. It's just kind of a crappy place to live. But if, but that's not asylum. I mean, by that token, three billion people would be eligible. All of Africa, all of South America. I mean, most of it, a lot of Asia. I mean, you know, that that's not what it's for. It's for like the Yazidis fleeing, um, you know, ISIS. That, that that's what it's for. And that's the issue here. So we're suffering. Think about it. All these people. So we have the 50,000 a month of really bad people. And you got to assume that pound per pound, the ones we don't interdict are usually going to be even worse because those are the ones that the drug cartels try to get in through the gaps. They'll shove like, you know, your innocuous family bogus asylum seekers to the border agents, and then they'll shove those guys in. Uh, but again, even these guys, they're, they're, a lot of them, you know, they, the kids might not be MS-13 originally, but they, they get roped into it. And, you know, and but then certainly the fiscal drain, all for what, a couple percentage? So you process them on our soil. I mean, it would be bad. They should never, American people should never be on the hook to for catch and release during adjudication, even if the majority turned out real. But certainly that we know that almost all of them are not real. And by the way, there's some sort of statistic like the the 99% of those who do get the asylum are the ones with lawyers, the ones that don't have it, don't get it. 
Now, some of that might be, well, the lawyers will only take up the winnable cases, but also a lot of it is the lawyers are sleazy, and they know how to manipulate the system, and they're really bogus too, but they're, they're smart at doing it. But, um, you know, in other words, if you're really someone that, that, that you're, you know, I don't know, like you're Guatemalan pushing homeschooling and free market health care and you're persecuted for your political views as a conservative, I think they would see that without a lawyer. That would be obvious. Um, and by the way, those are the people we should be taking. Like, you know, you find this in Europe. There was this German family from a few, you know, or, or people like um, Alfie Evans, you know, uh, that that are refugees from government-run healthcare. Those are the people we should be bringing in that are politically persecuted. Um, that that's what we should be a beacon of freedom for. But anyway, um, think about it. So so you're a crushing burden. The most impoverished people in the world. You know, it, it's actually funny that um, Chuck Schumer said amnesty is you know in 1986 his famous speech. What is this not? This is not going to bring in floods of people getting on welfare from the border. And the funniest thing is the people we get now are literally from the most impoverished countries that is the highest welfare usage from Central America. It's something like 88% of Central American families are on welfare. So, you know, there's that burden. But then think about it. Think about it. What are you doing to the 2-3% that are legitimate? You're, you're encumbering their things for years. You're making them be have their kids take literally plan, um, plan B – so they knowingly get raped and don't have a kid from the cartels. And then finally, because you're letting in all the other garbage, you're subjecting them, because they're usually going to live in the Hispanic neighborhoods, you're subjecting them to all the stories you're reading in the, in, in the media now about all these Hispanic schools and neighborhoods that are overrun with MS-13. This has got to stop. Someone's got to make this case that it's time to say it's over. Folks, anyone who comes here, even at the point of entry, because by the way, even Trump is continuing catch and release at the point of entry. He's letting go both the kids and the fan and the parents. Now, there's not as many at the point of entry. You know, it's something like seventy percent, eighty percent are are in between points of entry. But you know, he is letting them go. And over time, I believe if that keeps going on, they're they're just going to keep going there more, and that's going to be a problem. But that's got to be shut down. That's got to be shut down. Anyone who truly cares about both America and legitimate migrants should agree that we should bypass the drug cartels and have a place. And look, if you want to build a facility that's a five-star spa hotel, go do it if if that's going to help your PR. I don't care what the cost is. Nothing can surpass the hundreds of billions of costs and the tens of thousands of Americans who die from drugs every year. If we shut down the economy, you completely, you know, the libertarians say, oh, put them out of business by legalizing drugs. I say put them out of business by illegalizing all cross-border migration. No exceptions. You cannot come here and apply. You cannot apply for anything. We're going to put a beautiful facility up, presumably in Mexico. We can talk about other places. And in a safe, stable environment, we'll have an adjudicator right away to weed out BS. And the ones we think are legitimate will keep you there pending your adjudication. If you are real, welcome to America. And we'll be brought in. But Americans have to come first. But ultimately, it benefits them as well. 
It's the same way, you know, if you want to hand out loaves of bread to poor people on I-95 and stop traffic and create a, a car wreck of thousands of people getting killed, you're not only saving those people, you're helping the poor people better by saying, you know what? Let's have um, a, su- a soup kitchen here at the church in a stable, peaceful, quiet environment. And that's what we need to do. You know, look, we call this conservative conscience. I'm a conservative. I'm proud of it. I don't think I don't think you need to be a conservative to believe in this. Look, you know, we might you might have a high a lower standard for asylum than I do and might want to bring in more people maybe than I do, but do it in a safe, controlled fashion. And that is the only way to do it. There is no way. When you say, Oh, come in, come in, we'll let you go, you are you are creating a living hell for America and even for the migrants and certainly the legitimate ones. That that's the argument that needs to be made. And look, if you add on to this no birthright citizenship, um e verify, no sanctuary cities, no welfare, no K through twelve education, all this stuff. L- look, this is really the Australia model. Australia tried this. Um in 2010 to 2013, they had a liberal government where they started incentivizing people to come in. And the boat people started going up and up, and then they had 20,000. Now, that we would die to have such low numbers 20,000 the entire year. You know, we have obviously, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of thousands, and really maybe close to a million when you count those not apprehended. Um, they have, they, they had 20,000, and they came by boat. You know, it's an island. And when the conservatives got in, which ironically they're called the liberals, the government of Tony, Tony Abbott. They rolled it back, and they said, you know what? We're done. You cannot come here. You cannot come here and seek asylum. You will be taken to Papua New Guinea, and now they got all this bad PR and whatever, which is why I say we should just make our place like a a resort. Um, Whatever the cost is, whatever the cost. And you know what? You wouldn't even need so much of a border wall then if you did that. could save the money from that. And uh, guess what happened in Australia? Very next years, you know how many uh, migrants they had? Zero. Okay? That's all you need to do. <laughs> See, everyone's like, man, what do we do? How do we end illegal immigration? The problem is, well, that we encourage it with all these avenues of quasi-asylum statuses that you could come here and, and adjudicate, often get released in between and never to be seen again. So that in itself, even if you don't get affirmative amnesty, you just disappear and you get de facto amnesty, and then you get K through twelve, you get welfare, you get it, you get your your kids are born here are citizens. I mean, it, it's just insane. You know, you end all that, and you don't have you you don't have it. It won't be small. It will be nothing. And you'll stop so much of the drugs. It will become so much more expensive and less ubiquitous. You'll stop the gangs. You'll put these bastards out of business. And then our border patrol could focus solely on a military operation. They're not processing and changing diapers and whatever. They're solely on the border dealing with apprehending the bad guys. And that's what needs to happen. I challenge anyone to find any philosophical disagreement with this. Liberal, conservative, whatever. I believe Trump has a 212F power to begin begin this. Now, again, if you want to kind of do it robustly, you're going to need appropriations to build a facility aside from the Mexico City embassy 
and really do this and you're going to have to work, you know, leverage against Mexico. But this is where we need to go ultimately. Oh, and I almost forgot here, by the way, I said there were two reasons. So I gave the drug cartel reason. But then there's the courts. So, you know, there's a lot of bills. Let's maybe tighten the asylum language. Let's say we treat UACs from Central America like from Mexico. Um, Let's hire more agents. Let's expedite the process. I mean, we're missing the trees from the forest. You know what? There's one lawyer that was quoted, and I forget if he was from the ACLU or from the National Immigrant Lawyers uh, Center, um, which is Soros-funded, but quoted in Politico as saying, let 1,000 immigration lawsuits flower. Let 1,000 immigration lawsuits flower. To me, that summarizes, by the way, my thesis on the courts for the last five years. We're never going to win the court game. They control the litigation. They, they only have to win a few times and they grow from there. I mean, all the things I've been saying for years. It's not just the Flores settlement. They're litigating every aspect of immigration. There's no, Once they're on our soil, there is nothing we can do. Now, the other solution would be wholesale judicial reform. But until and unless we do that, you're not going to solve the immigration problem unless you got you got to cut it off at the head. If it's on our soil, we're like, okay, should we fix this statute, that statute? It's not the statute. It's the judges. And they're getting worse and worse and more aggressive. And the more the media makes this like a moral issue, the more the judges will have the license to just screw the law and, and, and the Constitution. So that's the story there. You guys got to see that. You know, the Ninth Circuit is always going to be at the border. We're never going to win that issue. It's getting worse and worse. You don't understand. They have a truculent, well-funded army of thousands of lawyers that could represent every si- – when you come over here, you have a lawyer. I mean it's like you know if, if you're an American, you get into a car accident or you have something like that where you're really in a, in a, in a bind and you feel you need a lawyer. It's tough. It's tough finding. It's, it's expensive. Um, you know, you don't know. Here, they could come and guide you um, whatever you want. Whatever you want, they have for you. And I'm just telling you, we're not going to win that. And they're going to have sob stories to do whatever they want. Um, I, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you guys. I, I, I don't... Eat. <laughs> It's too muddled. Well, do this thing or that thing or this fear. And, and, you know, no matter what you do, they're going to say you're Nazis. So you may as well actually stand before the American people that in something that's very easy to say and say, look, we're just going to end all border migration. And, and like I told you, it's intuitive to most people because most people think of any border immigration as illegal immigration. You know, they think, oh, like you apply for it. Like, you know, a lot there's a lot of people that are legal legal immigrants or married to legal immigrants and understand that whole story. They don't come to the border. And again, I'm not saying on some very small level there wasn't an appropriate avenue for it at the time we passed those laws, but <laughs> you know, that ship has sailed. We've seen the harm from it because of the courts and the cartels, the courts and cartels. 
Um, that's how to remember this pro- podcast. The courts and cartels make a living hell. And, uh, you know, until we shut that down, it's not going to stop. And the only way to do that is to take it away from the courts and take it away from the cartels. And that is the story. Um, there's a lot of more stuff going on. Congress voted down the rescissions bill. They can't even cut a billion dollars in spending. Um, you have these stupid uh, opioid bills, by the way. They passed the bill expanding Medicaid coverage for opioid, opioid treatment when Medicaid, along with immigration, is a big contributor to the problem in the pill mill market that all these drug addicts take their free Medicaid and they get – they fill up all sorts of prescriptions because there's no bar, you know, like, um, you know, bar on, uh, um, you know, financial bar. There's no limitation, so they're not worried about that. Just insane. And, and, and you know, this is the problem. We don't have – they're voting on 60 opi- opioid bills. I haven't read them myself. I just don't have the resources. This is the problem. We don't have anyone on our side Going through this, like the left has talking points and phony data on phony studies and phony analysis for everything they want. You know, um, they don't sneak anything through. We, you know, our, our, our bills are just whatever. We don't read them. Uh, a lot more on that. I didn't get a chance to give you my analysis of the internet sales tax ruling, why I believe it shows the courts are hypocritical on the commerce clause, on the powers of states. Why this is the one area where we are right to have the feds crack down and not allow states to impose onerous taxation and regulation, insane 10,000 tax jurisdiction burdens on businesses in other states. It is exactly why we adopted the Constitution from the Articles of Confederation. Um, But whatever you think of the legality, but politically, this has got to stop and we need to – this is going to be a big fight now in Congress – we need to push back on this. This is very dangerous. This is this has now instantaneously become a very big issue, and I'm just committed to, to focusing on it and working with people on it. So just giving you a heads up on that, but I'll link to the piece in show notes. I don't know yet if I'm going to have a – I was thinking of doing a foreign policy Friday tomorrow. I don't know uh, just simply because – the Supreme Court's coming out with another bombshell, so I might have to be busy writing on that and talking to people with that, or maybe even – maybe we'll do a podcast if, if the travel ban thing comes out. Uh, anyway, as always, support our sponsors, We The People Holsters. Get yourself a beautiful, custom, effective, stable, c- custom-made, American-made holster. We the people holsters.com forward slash conservative get ten dollars off through that link. Ten dollars off free shipping. Support the Second Amendment, support conservative manufacturers, and support the conservative conscience. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. Conservative Conscience.